Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. say that I tend to get good information from a lot of good people, and I, I will glean from those that I feel have much more experience than I do, and even you know people who may not necessarily be CPAs, but just have a wealth of wisdom to offer. The clip you just heard was from Jesse Dominguez, the CFO for Texas Trucking Association in Austin, Texas. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. I invited Jesse on the show because I've had the opportunity to have a few short conversations with Jesse previously, and I knew he would be very open and genuine about sharing his story. As you're going to hear, Jesse has had a very successful career, starting with his current employer just a few years after college and basically continuing to grow with them over the years, eventually into the CFO role. Jesse's also very active at the state level with the Texas Society of CPAs, and he's going to share some of that experience in the interview as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit the website at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. For all the show notes, as well as links to all of the other podcasts we've done dating back to October of last year. Without further ado, here we go. Well, good afternoon, Jeff. I appreciate you taking the time to be a guest on the show. Thank you very much for for making time on your schedule. Mark, it's an absolute pleasure. I am uh, looking forward to uh, talking with you and your audience about the field of accounting. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, at the time we're recording this, I've had several guests in a row from public accounting, and I try to keep a balance on the show to make sure that we're showing all the different options that are out there for accountants. So I knew you'd be a great guest to bring on the show. Obviously, you're an industry, but being with a trade association, I figured there'd be a few twists and turns, a few things that are a little different than typical for-profit industry positions. Before we get into that, though, and and obviously also I'd like to get into your involvement with the State Society because I know you're very involved there. But before we get into those, I wanted to find out more about what led you to accounting in the first place. How did you decide to even consider accounting as a career? Uh, Thanks for the question. I, you know, interestingly enough, I met a couple of CPAs back when I was in middle school, and uh, they had visited our our middle school and were talking about joining the accounting profession and what it meant to be a CPA. And, you know, I couldn't tell you or I couldn't remember exactly what they said, but uh, they carried themselves well. And I thought, you know, I, I, I love math. I love numbers. I love money. I mean, who doesn't? And I thought, well, this would probably be a good area for me to go into. They seemed like they had their act together. And I thought, well, let me let me pursue this a little bit more 
as I get older. And I just remembered them. They left an impression on me. And sure enough, as the opportunity availed itself later on in, in high school, the school was growing. It was a very small school in just south of San Antonio. And we started an accounting and a bookkeeping class that was offered to upperclassmen. And I wasn't quite old enough yet, but I, I lobbied to participate with the older classmen and, and was allowed to participate and really just had a niche for it. I enjoyed it, enjoyed what I was learning. I thought, this is neat stuff. Even participated at the uh, University Interscholastic League level oh. in an accounting competition with uh, two other, I think I was a junior at the time, two seniors, and the three of us placed uh, one, two, and three in our district. So that was kind of a neat deal. And it, it just grew on me. I thought, I'm going to definitely pursue this going on to school and study at uh, St. Edwards University here in Austin. I definitely knew going to a private school. You, you know, I had the experience from a, a sister of mine who had gone to a private university and changed majors midway and essentially you know, lost a lot of hours and a lot of expense. And I thought, you know, you know being cost conscious, as most of us are, I thought, let me go through this and, and complete it and uh, make sure this is exactly what I want to do. But definitely you know, fulfilled that goal of mine and uh, got my accounting degree back in 92. Interesting. Okay. Well, you you are a first for us. We've had several people say they were influenced while in high school by, you know, someone they knew that was a CPA and and obviously at the beginning of college, but you're the first one to mention middle school. (laughs) That was a while back. It sure was. (laughs) (laughs) So after college, did you go sort of the, quote, typical public accounting route initially, or did you go into industry? How did that work? Well, we had a few recruiters. Obviously, we compete with another large school in Austin that uh, whose name escapes me. But uh, <laughs> we had some recruiters come through the university and and take a look. I took a look at, at those opportunities, and I I knew I wanted to stay in Austin and wasn't really sure what direction. But we had a an opening for a part time position with a small computer firm in North Austin, and there was another student who was an upperclassman at the time who was leaving that position. So it they were very open to the internship possibility for, for me to, to go in and learn and grow. And, and it was it was very helpful. And I, I, I liked the small business aspect of getting involved at the controllership level, although at that time I was just a staff accountant, but was learning a lot and understanding how a business functions and what, what I can do to help facilitate the success of a small organization and really just grew into that area which really lends itself to where I am now, even even though we're a, a nonprofit, 501c6. We do have a for-profit arm and affiliated with other local, smaller businesses that have a, you know, a profit motive. And I just enjoy it. I enjoy helping small business owners be successful. Interesting. Okay. Did you sort of work your way up with that computer services company, or was that just sort it, of the first was, step? Yeah, it was the first step. It was very small after I left there for an opportunity actually at this association working for the controller at the time to gain more experience. I knew I wanted to get my my CPA certification and I knew where I was at the time. I really needed to work for a CPA. And so I I left here for three years and actually went to work for the state in a position where I was working for a CPA and and got some more experience, another broader level of business experience through state government. And I realized at the time that wasn't really my cup of tea, but it did give me that opportunity to to grow in in another area in a different direction and gain from, from the experience there. And when this position opened itself up again back in 97, so I went from 92 graduating to 97, coming back here as the controller, and eventually the position evolved into the CFO role that it is now. So I've been here for 20 years now. So it's been great. My gosh. 
Wow. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you, you passed the exam early in your career when you went to I did, I did. I, took the, I did sit for the exam three times, and that was back in the day when you go in on either in May or November for two days straight on the weekend and take all four parts. And I did some self-study the first time and got really close to passing a couple, three parts and didn't. And so I thought, well, let me, let me go ahead and shell out the money for a review course and did that and uh, actually gained a lot of good knowledge that was helpful in taking the course the next time because I passed a couple of parts and then passed the remaining two parts the following May. I think it was a May, November, May cycle. And once I completed that, and that was in, I got my license in June of 96. So at that point, I was ready to look for some small business in the Austin area that would benefit from my experience. And this opportunity came up. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned the review course because I, I took a review course as well, and and I think it does make a big difference. I'm I'm looking for a review course to sponsor the podcast because I I think it really can help you expedite the whole process of, of passing the exam. Definitely, I would agree. So, did you know going through college that you were going to be a CPA, or is that something that you decided you know later on to pursue? You know, I think at the time I it was in the back of my mind, but I don't think it was. That's the forefront. I think initially you're thinking about what's right in front of you. So you're, you're dealing with, I was working, you know, 25 hours a week and going to school full time. And it was just about uh, you know, balancing all the things in front of me. And I knew, I knew that after about a year of being out of school, I realized if I want to advance my career, I'm not going to do it at this level. And so mm-hmm. it, it was imperative that I move forward and, and pursue the CPA exam. And I remember going to Barnes & Noble at the time or another bookstore and got those huge review books, you know, like uh, phone books, which is going to be an analogy that will not be relatable for most of your millennial audience. <laughs> but essentially those books, you just go through question after question after question on different topics that were from past tests. And that was how I studied for the first exam the first time. Wow. Okay. So now you, you've been with Texas Trucking, wow, it is 20 years, 97. Yeah, 20 years this July. Okay, perfect. I'm curious, how has your role changed over the years and how has the association changed? It does evolve, and it's, part of it is contingent upon what's going on at the Capitol. We, you know, we are a lobbying arm or a, an organization that does monitor what goes on with regulatory agencies. But to some extent, the business climate also affects our association. There are times when you know, business is stagnant or reducing in the state, and it, you know, oil prices can impact our membership, and that also impacts how we can provide services to our members as well. So there's, there's always an evolving climate. There's a lot that is the same. There's a lot of functions that are the same, but, but the overall uh, nature of what we do changes, say, definitely year to year and sometimes even more frequently. So what's, what's grown is there's been more emphasis on, you know, what I can do from a forecasting standpoint, what I can do to, to help govern the direction that we pursue with regards to different agreements and contracts. And so there's a lot more that's done beyond your, your standard, you know, financial reporting the side, which is, you know, essentially the most you know, critical area that, that, that's, that I'm relied upon for, but also providing input with regards to agreements that we enter into and, and what makes sense from a business model and moving forward. And, and I'd say probably the biggest change over the past few years has been in the field of, of cybersecurity and securing information that comes from our members directly to us and keeping you know, information confidential and secure. 
Hmm. Okay. Do you manage the IT function there as well? Uh, essentially, yes. Uh, you, when you're in a small organization, you do wear a lot of hats. So I do manage the database and IT infrastructure, and we do outsource the, uh, the bulk of that. It's definitely not my first language, so it's difficult to know some of the ins and outs. But what's helpful is you know, having a good team of professionals behind you that you can rely on to, to give you good information. And, and whenever things come up that are question. And and again, there's so much changing in the world of computer technology and security and accessibility that that we have to make sure that we have all our T's crossed and I's dotted. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. In in moving from controller to CFO, is there anything that you did to prepare for that? Or or has has there been any further training or education that's helped you in that transition? Or, or do you feel like you know, you've been at the organization long enough that, that it was sort of a natural progression? Well, the role itself evolved into what I essentially took on more responsibility in, in my role as staff changed and as functions changed. And, and, mm-hmm. and part of that was, was as demand changed as well. And, and so what, what I would do is just continue with any educational offerings that were out there. Uh, I've attended different seminars with regards to the, the function of a, of a CFO and advanced functions and things that I should be prepared to look out for and provide management with the information and tools that they need to make informed decisions. So it's really, like any other business, things are always evolving. And the CFO role itself is constantly changing with new demands and pressures and making sure that we're doing things with integrity here and also providing management with information they need to make informed decisions to to move the organization forward. So really it's about keeping keeping abreast of, of things going on in the in the financial world. Okay. Okay. I'm curious, what have you enjoyed most about your career? I really enjoy helping people and I hmm. and I do that in this role and the fact that people rely on me for information is it's rewarding because you know that you're a, a valued member of the team. And you also know that it's, it, it takes several people to, to be, be successful. So it's nothing that I do on my own or that I can provide myself. I make sure that the people that work with me and, and that report to me uh, get the credit for the work that they've done. So it's, it's encouraging to see them do well and you know, receive the kudos for what they do. And it's rewarding uh, also working with interns that come through here and are learning and growing and, and asking for more responsibility themselves because they want to gain as much knowledge in the real world from the academic world that can be useful for them in the future as well. So that's kind of a, it's a teaching environment that's helpful too. Mm, yeah, that is very rewarding when you can you know, pass on the benefits of <laughs> some of your experience <laughs> to, uh, mm-hmm. to those a little younger, definitely. I know you're very involved now in TSCPA. I don't know the history of all that. How did you end up getting involved with you know, the professional association, the CPA Society? You know, I, I believe at one point while I was at St. Edwards, I had applied for a scholarship through TSCPA, not realizing entirely what the organization was about and, and <laughs> what they did. But I said, hey, there's some money out there. I need, I need to pay for school. Go. And I got a scholarship. And even after school, after I graduated, and once I started looking at, at sitting for the exam, you know, I realized I needed to be a part of a group that essentially a network of professionals that would be helpful to my career. And I can't 
tell you that, I, well, I do. I do remember what happened. There was a flyer that came in for a, a leadership course through the Austin chapter. And I thought, you know, I need to join this organization and sign up for this leadership course. And at the time, it was 20 hours of CPE for not a lot of money. And I thought, okay, this will be good. Hmm. So I signed up. It was a great course. Met a lot of really neat Austin CPAs. Uh, many will remember Penny Deer and a few others that were really I mean, they're, they're, they were trying to think of the word of, I'm drawing a blank here, but, but essentially, I mean, they, they were just so well known Helpful in the area. Oh. Yes. I mean, there were a handful of CPAs who were just so well known in hmm. the Austin area and very well connected, very involved in the Austin chapter. And from there, I just continued to, to be involved and essentially said yes to anything that was asked of me from the Austin chapter with regards to how I could assist, volunteer, lead, and be a, a face of the organization. And so they, they convinced me to become the chapter president back in 07, 08. And that was a great experience too. And then I got to be involved a little bit more with the, at the statewide level at that time, just getting to know what we did as a large chapter, how we interacted with other large chapters in the, in the state, and sharing of ideas and information that would be useful to promoting the profession and and being a good you know example and you know for a lot of the the people who are looking to get involved in the profession and sit for the exam get involved learn about who we are so there there are just so many opportunities to to do so many things from a volunteer standpoint and from a you know the literacy campaign that we do, the scholarships that we do for other students, and there's so much that the, the chapters do, and it's been it's been rewarding being a part of all the activities over the years. Okay, I, I just have to ask. I'm active in the San Antonio chapter, and, and we participate at universities in order to you know educate you know, individuals about the opportunities for CPAs, and we do a little bit with high school through a program that we put on, but you mentioned that you were swayed to become an accountant in middle school. So I, I, I'm curious, does the Austin chapter do anything with middle schools by chance? Not that I'm aware of. I know we do. I've gone into the high schools before and, okay. and have talked to a few. And, and I will say this, I went to a very small rural school outside of San Antonio and it seemed a little different then. I mean, I, I visited one of the larger schools here in Austin that was more it was. It just seemed like a very different crowd, and maybe I feel I'm, maybe I'm older, and the kids are just different, you know, or I feel different. But they they didn't seem as receptive, and they may not have understood what exactly I was there doing. But you just never know what kind of seed you might plant. So yeah, I think it's always just good to get involved in any at any level, whether it's middle school or, or early high school, to give kids an an idea of hey, this might be something better, and it and you know if I enjoy numbers, and who doesn't enjoy numbers and money? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I didn't think that was the case, but I just thought, wow, that's that's a potential opportunity for both chapters, actually. Maybe something to think about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, what do you do with the the state society now? What's or or the local chapter? Yeah. Well, I've been on the executive board for a couple of years. I am completing okay. my term as treasurer of the state society, and that'll expire in June. And after that ends, I'm taking over the role uh, as the state PAC uh, committee chair. And the the PAC is the political action campaign, which raises funds for the political campaigns uh, across the state of Texas. And while some of it is fundraising, a lot of it is really relationship building with legislators that are out there that we have an interest in getting to know them, especially if they're going to be passing any kind of legislation that may impact the not just the society or the profession necessarily, but the business climate as well. They they rely on us as trusted advisors 
with regards to any kind of legislation that may have an impact on the the, the economy. So we're often asked, you know, what do you, what does the CPAs think about you know, X, Y, or Z, or or this legislation, or this uh, course of action? And in that respect, having those relationships that we established because we've uh, contributed to campaigns. And one other caveat is these are bipartisan committees, so we definitely contribute to campaigns of any political party. The main purpose is really just to develop relationships across the state, uh, and again, for the benefit of, of the business climate in Texas. Okay. Okay. Actually, I, I don't know if you know this, but we just released the podcast in the last week or two where John Sharbaugh was the guest, and, and he talked a little bit about the, that activity since that's his new temporary role yeah, <laughs> for <yeah>. a while. <laughs> I'm assuming your experience with the association would be valuable. Are there any, I guess, connections, so to speak, that you'll be able to make use of through, you know, that you've made while while in your current job? Absolutely. I mean, there there are okay. a lot of similarities with both organizations, and, and the, you know, both are very friendly to to, to business friendly candidates. We both desire to improve the regulatory environment in the state of Texas. And really, the relationships that I've established here have essentially assisted me in the relationships that I've started, uh, any new relationships I've started with uh, the TSCPA PAC chairman. And I've been the Austin PAC chairman for a few years now. So oh. now moving to the statewide level, this will just continue to, to broaden, say, my reach. But also, I'm hoping to expand on the reach of the society when it comes to you know, having a, a friendly face before our, our elected officials. So they know that you know, we definitely want to assist them with anything that we can. That makes sense, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, and I have four questions that I end every podcast with. There's one last question, though, before we get into that. I'm curious, you know, you've had a successful career. You know, it seems to have went very well, and, and you seem to be very balanced and, you know, content. Is there anything that you would change if you had the opportunity? You know, maybe a risk not taken or, or a risk you did take that you wish you didn't have or wouldn't have? <laughs> yeah, that's anything a, that's you would have changed? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I uh, A few years ago, I took some courses at UT for the Certified Financial Planning certific- Certification and took the exam and passed it and was pursuing making a change at the time. And, and I don't know that I necessarily regret it or wish I had. I, you know, I wish the opportunity availed itself for me to continue what I'm doing here because learning what I learned then during that coursework has actually helped me when it comes to managing employee benefits, you know, the, our, our retirement plans here and understanding a lot of the investment side of, of the business world that individuals and some small business owners that I assist now do benefit from. So, but I wasn't doing it full time, so I couldn't go get the, I would have had to quit this job and, and go pursue something in the investment world uh, or in insurance. And I wasn't quite ready to do that yet. I think, uh, I think, unfortunately, I'm not uh, too much of a salesman. At, and then, so in that respect, it, it, it was difficult for me to move into an, an area that I wasn't quite comfortable with at the time. Maybe now I'm a little bit more mature. I might be able to move in that direction. But that, that's probably one change that I wish I would have had a little bit more, you know, pursued maybe a little bit further. Sure, sure. Well, you have to prioritize things in your overall life. And so, Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, first of the final four questions, what has been your proudest moment? Gosh, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, I mean, from a professionally or personally, you know, personally, I'm proud to be a dad and a husband. 
professionally, I'm very proud to be a CPA and really proud of the relationships that I've established through the state society and through other connections uh, made as uh, a member of the society. Sure. Yeah, that's made a big difference in my own career. I, I really enjoy involvement with, with the society. Well, tell us about a mistake you've made and, and what you learned from it, of course. And, and frankly, the bigger, the better. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes it more fun. You know, I think there was a time when I had been given some instruction by my by the boss at the time, mm-hmm. and I, I thought I should corroborate that information before I just move forward because there should be kind of a paper trail based on what was told to me. Sure. So I went to corroborate with the chair of the board and got a different story, but got it all figured out. It made for a little bit of uh, tension that it wasn't necessarily a, I mean, it could be a mistake in the sense that I just didn't take what was said at face value, but I think it was necessary to corroborate the story and make sure that the direction that was given was was put in writing. So that's essentially what I requested. So let's get that in writing, make sure we move forward so that we've got, number one, just kind of cover my bases and cover any other bases that are out there. So it it was more a tense situation than it was a, a mistake, but I may have not have handled that correctly on the front end with regards to the communication with the CEO at the time. Sure. Were there any dire consequences? No, no. It just it just kind of, again, became a little tense, but I think we, we worked it out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <So. laughs> get things in writing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, get things in writing. It's, it's, you know, I think the uh, current chair, Kathy Kepka, says that it's not in writing. It didn't happen. So that's good news. Yeah, it's good, good advice. Yeah, that's good overall advice, general business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's been the biggest mentor so far in your career? Yeah, that's a good question, too. I, I, I would say that I, I tend to get good information from a lot of good people, and I, I will glean from those that I feel have much more experience than I do, and even people who may not necessarily be CPAs, but just have a wealth of wisdom to offer. So I like to get just a broad-based feedback from from people who I feel like they're successful, they know what they're doing, they've got their heads on straight, and the advice that they give and the information they provide can be useful to me. And likewise, you know, do the same. So it's really kind of a, a broad approach to mentorship. It's really about having a big tent and, and using a lot of resources to make good decisions. Okay. You know, I added that question in because in the first few episodes, I noticed that I guess it, in the first few that there was, you know, one or two individuals that just had really made a difference in people's career. But then at, since I've added it in, I've realized that if you have the attitude that you can learn from everybody mm-hmm. and, and trying to think about what you can learn from everybody, it is hard to identify just just one person. Yeah, it is. So, it is. Yeah, I can totally relate. Well, what's been the best piece of advice you've ever received? I'd say the best piece of advice has been... Trust God, trust yourself, and you know believe in yourself as well. And I think, uh, especially when I think about the days when I was spending three hours a night studying for the CPA exam, or going to a three-hour night review course, and taking one night off a week just from uh, from studies just to clear my head. But the sacrifice that was made back then was for the benefit of today, and it really paid off. So those things were very influential in me staying the course. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some truth to you know living out your fullest each day, but there's also some benefit to delayed gratification. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out for this. You've, you've had a just a tremendously successful career and haven't made many moves in order to have that. You know, you, you've <laughs> stayed at the same place and continue to grow. That's good to see. Well, and what's interesting about that is, is not only have I been here for 20 years, but about six years ago, another small business owner that, that I have a relationship with asked me to essentially be her part-time CFO because she didn't necessarily need somebody full-time. And so I established a lot of the same protocols and, and controls that I have exercised here to benefit her company. And, and I'd spend you know, a couple dozen hours a month helping her uh, oversee her operations. And then on top of that, I've got a little budding tax practice that I spend a, a few extra hours on the you know evenings and weekends during tax season, working with a, about five dozen clients. And it's it's grown over time just from word of mouth. So I kind of make myself available. I really feel like this is a role that I can be helpful to small businesses, to people, to families, to help them with not their, just their tax planning, but also just their overall financial overview and, and what and worldview. So I've really enjoyed that aspect as well. That again, people really look to me as a trusted advisor and I've got a, a wealth of clients and relationships and friendships and colleagues that do look to me. So you can broaden your base even when you start down one path, it doesn't necessarily close other doors. You can kind of keep several doors open at one time. I like okay. to tell people I've got several fishing poles in the pond. So Diversification. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You did learn something from that uh, financial training. (laughs) Yes, yes, very much so. Well, you know, I I was going to ask about JHL, but I I figured that just must not be current. Is that one of these? uh, Yes, that is is one of the, exactly. She, Jennifer Stevens, has a consulting and PR firm here in Austin that has been growing and she puts on a huge, she does a lot of fundraising for nonprofits in the Austin area and so really from a fundraising background and also from a political background, she does, she's come out of the political world so has a lot of good contacts here in Austin as well. So she's very well known. Their biggest event is coming up uh, this April. It's called MJM, which stands for Mac, Jack and McConaughey. So she and Mac Brown and Jack Ingram and Matthew McConaughey put together a huge fundraiser that raises several million dollars uh, each year for different charities that are really are be- for the purpose of benefiting children. So a lot of different children's charities that they, they put, put on. It's a great, lot of great fundraisers, including a fashion show and concerts and golf tournaments. So it's pretty, a pretty big event. They do all the hard work and I just make sure all the money is where it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else I didn't ask about that I should have? Because I, now I feel like I missed something. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, this, I mean, that's, I just, I'm just thinking about, you know, I talked to you earlier. I think I've, I've, you know, I've been our church treasurer for 13 years. So again, part of my volunteer role is not just with the society, although that's a huge, from an educational standpoint and just from a networking standpoint, it's been really good. But from a relationship standpoint, a lot of great people in our local church that mm-hmm. I've known over the past 12 plus 13 years, and and just being the treasurer is always always kind of a fun when you have building projects or needs that come up and. Again, being able to, to be a, a resource and a help to others is, is always good. Yes. Yeah, 13 years, that's, that's a while. I, I go to a, a rather large church now, but oh, a little over five years ago, I went to a much smaller one, and, and we had about four accounts that rotated through, <laughs> basically, the, <laughs> the treasure spot, because I only have so many accounts you can draw on. <laughs> I, I know. I need to recruit. I'll tell you what. <laughs> 
Well, well, thank you again for taking the time to do this. I, I really appreciate it. I think it's going to be good for our listeners, like I said, just to hear your success stories. And, and actually, this, this last part of the conversation, how you've got a, a few extra fishing poles you know, in the pond, I think that's, there's a good lesson in there as well. So thank oh, you well, for thank sharing that. Hey, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you. I really feel honored that you asked me, and uh, I hope we don't put—I hope I don't put anybody to sleep. So, let's, uh, <laughs> I appreciate the, the opportunity to just talk about my story. No problem. Well, we'll see you again soon at a society event. Okay, sounds great. We'll see you, Mark. As I mentioned in the intro, I think there are several good takeaways from the journey Jesse shared with us. First of all. Although sometimes you can gain experience by moving around to to different employers for different opportunities, sometimes it really does pay off to devote yourself to your current position and just see where that goes. It may take you all the way to CFO. Secondly, though, you can tell that Jesse is involved in several other activities as well. The State Society, volunteering at his church, and even handling consulting clients on the side. He seems to be a lifelong learner. As long as you can manage it, I really do think that that can make for a much more well-rounded career and life, frankly. This has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like or share the podcast where you found it, whether through a podcast app, LinkedIn, Facebook, or the whereaccountantsgo.com website itself. We really appreciate your ongoing support. We'll be back next week. There's more to come.